Hello, and welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I'm here with Kristen LaBianca. Hello. And Wendy is not with us today, but we have a very special guest, Hallie Sutton. Hi. So you may remember Hallie. Uh, she was on our Pitch Wars episode last year because she was my Pitch Wars mentee. Uh, now we are co-mentors together, and her amazing book, the Lady Upstairs is coming out in July from Putnam Books. Uh, and Lady Upstairs sort of features some some characters who are a little bit like the women in the movie we're going to talk about today, which is Hustlers. Before we get into that, though, what are you guys up to? So we're recording this right before Christmas. It's going to come out on Christmas Day. What are you guys up to for the holiday? Well, uh, we are spending Christmas Eve with my parents and then heading up to Cleveland to do second Christmas with my partner's family. And um, Christmas is not my favorite thing ever, but I would advise that uh, if you get sick of your family, everyone on Christmas Day, going to the movies is always a great idea. And you can go and see a movie called Black Christmas, which is really fun. It's just like a horror slasher film with a feminist bent to it about horrible frat boys and it's a lot of fun and very Christmassy so do that nice what about you Hallie that is definitely on my short list to watch Kristen um so yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm up in northern California where it is cold and rainy but I really can't complain because I just got back from Hawaii so I've like soaked up enough sunshine to last me to the new year I think Ugh, we're so jealous here yeah, in the Midwest. We hate you. Not okay. <laughs> well, it's actually not been that bad here in Chicago. I say that, and now it's probably gonna have like three feet of snow and like, <laughs> way below zero wind chill tomorrow. I don't know, but um, ugh, I've never been to Hawaii. I want to go. Have you been, Kristen? I have not. No, I would love to go. Well, highly recommend. Um, I was on the Big Island, which is really beautiful and has kind of, there's like the rocky side, which has all the lava, which is cool to see. And then there's the um, rainforesty side in Hilo, which is beautiful. Uh, and there's like so much to do there. When I was there this time, I got to play with octopuses on an octopus research facility, which was like a life highlight, I would say. <laughs> Now, when you say play with them, what exactly does that mean? So they have these like big tubs and you put your hand into it and octopuses are very playful, curious creatures. So basically, if you mm. just come out and wiggle your fingers, they if they're interested in playing with you, they'll just like come up and start wrapping tentacles around you. And so <laughs> I was so excited Were for this. Gross? Um, but I will also say that I thought the octopuses were going to be smaller than they were. And when I saw how big they were, I was like a little freaked out. Like they're like the size of a cat. So they're telling you, they're like, well, if it mm. starts to climb up your arm, just like slide your hand down your arm and they'll go oh, off. And I'm, I'm like, I'm yeah, okay exactly. I was like, if this thing, yeah, I just thought this sounds fun or like the beginning of a horror movie. Like, exactly. I was like, if this thing starts to climb up my arm, it's dragging me to the depths. Like, there is not going to be any like gentle like off you. But it was very cool. Uh, okay. I'm like, well, I feel like we might need to we might need to do a octopus episode of this podcast now because I w I want more information. Like, what what did it what does an octopus feel like? Like, what is the surface of I it like? I don't want that information. <laughs> I'm all okay. Set. Perhaps we should take this topic offline then. You and me will touch base <laughs> offline, Kristen. Okay. Well, I really want to go to Hawaii, and I really don't want to do that. But I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Maybe not for everybody. <laughs> 
So I'm all alone for Christmas. My partner flew home to Pennsylvania to visit with his family and um, I miss him, of course, but I am actually like really excited to have a whole week alone. I have like big plans, mostly involving uh, working on book stuff because I am a monster and I hate relaxing and taking breaks like fuck that. Um, <laughs> so I'm starting to work on my what may become my third book, um, doing some research for that. And then I'm also launching this new venture on January 1st um, called Read Your Lipstick, which is an Instagram and a blog where I do pairings of books and lipsticks. My two favorite things. Fun. I am so excited for it. And my bank account is so scared because I'm obviously going to have to buy all of them. (laughs) It's been funny because I've been like obviously going through and uh, deciding which lipsticks to use. And it almost it's like shopping, but I don't actually spend any money. It's like taking the edge off of my desire to buy all the lipsticks. So it's actually like helping me. But I don't know about the people who (laughs) read the blog. I I can't help you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not your responsibility. It's out of your hands. (laughs) Not responsible. Um, Okay, so yeah, today we are going to talk about the movie Hustlers, which was a favorite of all of us this year. um, And it's also a great Christmas movie. We'll talk about why a little bit later. But for anyone who uh, has not seen this movie, which like, if you haven't, you you need to immediately like, please. But if you haven't, um, Kristen, do you want to give a little synopsis of what this movie is about? So Hustlers is about two strippers, uh, Destiny and Ramona, as played by Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. And they form a friendship while dancing at the same club. And they band together with some other dancers to scam a bunch of terrible Wall Street men who come to the club and are just generally terrible people. I think that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, It's amazing. I have to say, when this movie came out, I didn't even really know anything about it i'd seen i saw a trailer and the trailers made it look really stupid i don't know if you guys saw any of the oh i was totally excited from the trailer really i I thought the trailer made it look bad no i thought it made it look amazing okay i like wanted it to be amazing and i saw the trailer and i was like i don't know and then i saw all the amazing reviews coming in and i was like well i have to see this and i like lost my mind i loved it so much (laughs) (laughs) such a good movie and i think a big reason for that is that um it was directed by a woman uh lorene scafaria and i didn't even know that going in i just knew it was like a stripper movie with jennifer lopez uh and within probably five minutes of watching it i was like oh a woman directed this like absolutely Mm -hmm. it's all over it like everything is is framed through the female gaze instead of the male gaze which is so rare and so amazing to see yeah I think I first heard about this movie because when I was um, working on my book, somebody sent me the article that the movie's based on and was like, this kind of sounds like your book. And I was like, yes, forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should say that this is based on real events. I mean, like fictionalized, obviously, but it's based on a real scam. based on a real scam. And uh, there's an article. The source material for the movie is called the hustlers at scores and it is a wall street journal piece by jessica pressler so on the on the topic of the male gaze which is delightfully absent from the movie so is the idea of like there is no male lead in this movie it's not a movie about that at all which is great um and i think that one thing that's really cool about the way that the idea of gaze is presented is that like if you think about a female gaze in this context it is all about money right like Uh, Destiny sees Ramona being super successful and making lots of money. And she kind of has, you know, 
she's like leering at this money and this opportunity. And I think that's a really kind of unique point of view too. Yeah, let's talk about that scene actually. Um, it's towards the beginning of the movie where uh, Jennifer Lopez's character, Ramona, is introduced. So she comes out on stage and does a striptease like pole dance thing to Criminal by Fiona Apple. Um, and it changed my whole life <laughs> watching this. I would say that I movie mean, moved me forward on the Kinsey scale. I'm just saying like <laughs> that particular scene, you're just like, wow. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you can, like, if you don't think you're into women, um, like, watch that scene and then you'll know for sure. Because <laughs> I did, I took my uh, straightest friend to see this movie and she was, like, still straight after. So I was like, okay, that's, like, there's nothing I can do about that. She's too straight. Because <laughs> uh, if anything, if anything was going to make a difference, it would be Jennifer Lopez in this. She is, I mean, obviously she's gorgeous. It's insane that she's, like, 50 years old. I don't it's understand. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, she looks amazing um but her magnetism and charisma in this scene in particular it just i don't even know how to describe it she just like comes out on the stage and it's like nothing else matters in the world and you see um destiny constance Wu's character watching her dance and like it's all kind of from her perspective that she's looking at this woman with you know she's looking at all the money that they're throwing at her and like she wants that for for herself and then there's this like awe and like kind of like I would say some some lust even though there's not a romantic relationship between them um there's just so much like playing across her face and you're seeing it all from her perspective as opposed to from the perspective of all of the like horny guys who are throwing the singles at her I would say even the horny guys that what's interesting about that scene and I think you're right because it it comes from we're looking at it through destiny there's all these horny guys but none of them are treating her like an object like they're almost as in awe of her as destiny is even as they're throwing monies sure. even in this like most objectified of places and like where else like you know like a, a woman in a strip club is like that's the epitome of uh, objectification and yet you have the feeling that Jennifer Lopez is like in control of the whole scene in oh, control she's of the men definitely there definitely in control yeah, yeah it's just it's this like very powerful moment of everybody is just like whatever she wants she could have right then yeah and she's she's not like what she's doing is like not catering to them you know it's like she's not like I don't even know how to describe it, but she's just like doing it the way that she wants to do it. And it's almost like the men are irrelevant. Well, she's commanding them too. Yeah. It's, it was, it's a scene. Give her the Oscar. Yes. It is something. And the movie, the movie starts with the song Control by Janet Jackson. So like the first thing you hear in the movie is, um, this is a story about control. And um, I listened to the director's commentary because, as we discussed in a previous episode, I'm an old person who still buys DVDs and yeah, Blu-rays. What the but fuck? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the director's commentary was really interesting, and uh, Lorene Scafaria talked about how um, she wrote a lot of the music cues into the original screenplay, and that was one of them. Like that was mm. always part of the story because it really is the thesis statement of the whole thing in a way. Like these <laughs> yes. women are taking control using the tools that are available to them, which are their bodies and their dance moves and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just, I've never seen, cause there's so many movies with strip club scenes and I used to study burlesque. I wrote my um, master's thesis on, on neo burlesque. And I just like, even then never seen 
a woman take control in the way that Jennifer Lopez does in that in that scene. It was more similar to a lot of the burlesque performances I've seen than like your usual stripper act in a movie, though, because it was so about like her and her enjoyment and um, not so much about the audience. I would say even even kind of in those opening scenes where we start with Destiny in the um, in the dressing room, I mean, there's plenty of nudity in this film, mostly female, though some male. Um, but bodies are just kind of bodies. Like they're beautiful, but yeah. they're not fetishized. They're not, you know, there's no untimely like zoom ins. It's just, it's like, it's a fact that these women have bodies and they're using them. And it was very refreshing. It wasn't like it like looked away from nudity. It just didn't mm-hmm. exploit it. And it's so sexy. Like it's so sexy, even without that objectification and that like grossness that you see all the time in movies directed by men like i i kind of love this movie being like why do we still let men direct movies like why do we do that we don't need them anymore <laughs> honestly it's a really valid question and, like, why do we let them exist i don't know you know <laughs> so hallie hallie you recently wrote a really great article for crime reads about the femme fatale where you uh talked about hustlers do you want to Tell us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Um, thank you, uh, Lane. Uh, so I was writing about the evolution of the femme fatale in film and, you know, how she kind of starts in film noir as this, um, I mean, the best roles in film noir, I think, go to the femme fatales and they have the best lines and the best wardrobes. But by the end of the movie, they have to kind of be like rectified and corrected. And um, often their their motives are kind of murky. It's kind of this like murder for murder's sake, or you want to get rich or powerful. uh, They're not really real people. They're just like anxieties. Whereas I think 2019, the evolution of the femme fatale is hustlers, among others. Like these women have a purpose and they're, they're trying to get rich, but they're doing it this specific way. And they're kind of exploiting a system that's exploited them. And um, I think, I think it's kind of, it's almost like a like a Robin Hood steal from the rich to give to themselves, really. It just kind of is the a natural endpoint to seeing if you if you tell these women that they're femme fatales and they're bad and if you're using your sexuality for your own gain, these women are literally doing that. You know, it started as kind of this projection of anxiety about what women could do to men and and then we get to a point where it's actually happening and I love that and I found it fascinating. Yeah, I think um there are a lot of parallels between the strippers and the Wall Street guys that are set up very explicitly by this movie um that they're both kind of scamming on different levels in different ways and uh in the director's commentary she also mentioned that she kind of doesn't blame anyone for trying to work within this broken system. I mean, like in capitalism, men are valued for money and power and women are more valued for like their beauty and bodies and everything. And so all the characters in this movie are really working within that broken system as they're not trying to change it or have a revolution. They're just trying to survive and take care of themselves and the people they love. Um, So I thought that was interesting because like, when I first watched this, I mean, you kind of hate the Wall Street guys, and I still, I still do. But I like that the director was thinking about drawing that parallel, like that they're both, both of these groups of people are doing bad things. They're both part of this fucked up system and just kind of doing their best or their worst within that. Mm-hmm. Within that, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, yeah, I think that 
the, another thing that's really interesting about how they handled it was like, so yes, we are, we are rooting against these Wall Street guys. They seem like assholes. We're rooting for these women because we find them interesting. But the movie doesn't set it up like, like here are these poor women who had no choice. You know, you'll mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see movies where like there's like here's this flawed but ultimately winning woman who has to do something terrible to pay for her baby's cancer treatment or something. Like that's not what this is. Like these women want to become rich just like the men do, and that's just kind of how it is. Um and at the same time, the movie does not um like idealize or fetishize stripping at all which i think is interesting like it's not shown to be glamorous and it's also not shown to be sad and shameful it just it is what it is it's just work yeah it's just work and that reminds me of the the very last line in the movie which is just like it's so good it's so fucking good um jennifer lopez her character says this whole country is a strip club you've got people throwing the money and people doing the dance and that is just so true like all work is work it's the same it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing um you're either on one side of the power or the other yep yep and i i do like that too that these women um a lot of them do have you know like ramona and destiny both have kids and they want to take care of their kids and their families Mm -hmm. but they're also like selfish and they want to buy like fur coats and nice shoes right like that's part of it too it isn't this totally um moral motivation like they just want to scam these guys on some level and there's like a revenge aspect to it as well uh where these are guys who maybe treated them poorly uh in the club and now they're taking their revenge and the movie doesn't really it's interesting how it it doesn't demonize these women or totally like say everything they're doing is okay it kind of lets the audience decide and i thought that was a great way to go about it it makes it much more complicated morally and it makes them much more yeah. human, you know, that they they get to be real people. They don't have to be either the avenging angel or like the sad, poor, pitiful me. I mean, I totally agree with that and what you're saying, right. Kristen, too, about like the backstory. Like there are some rough backstories, but it's not this, you know, she's been abused and sexualized. And obviously that's how a woman ends up here. You know, that's the only way a woman right. ends up here. Like there's none of that happening. And I so appreciate no. that. Yeah, and I love how, um, like, especially Ramona, um, Destiny to some degree too, but Ramona is extremely good at reading people. Like, that's kind of the whole, like, that's at the heart of the ho- her whole scam is that, like, she can figure out these guys really quickly. And, like, they're really using that kind of against these guys that they're scamming because these guys think that they've got the women all figured out. And they totally don't. Uh, but I love that they're they're allowed to just be so sharp at reading people and figuring out what people are about. I was like, you know, you want to feel sorry for the guys a little bit because they're being like drugged and taken advantage of and all that. But I just couldn't get over the fact that like how stupid could they possibly be? These like gross old men and like Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu and Kiki Palmer like come up to you in a bar and start hitting on you. And you're like, yes, this seems right. (laughs) Nothing, nothing bad is going on here. Like they couldn't possibly be conning me. Like they're just, they're just attracted to me. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. The ego. It's just astonishing. Right. Like, I call it the Kevin James paradox. You remember like all 
of those sitcoms <laughs> with Kevin James where he's got like a super hot wife. And then like, there's nothing wrong with Kevin James. He's funny, whatever. But like, I think that there is this weird, like, I do think that there is a thing in our culture that's like men expect that they can, anybody can date a supermodel. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Cause like as a woman, if like, I don't know, a guy who looked like Chris Hemsworth comes up to me and start, I would be like, this guy is like scamming me. Like what's going right. on? Like, he's not hitting on me. <laughs> immediately i'm like i would see the difference between us and and be immediately suspicious but all these men apparently were just like oh yeah this is totally normal all these hot women i love though that when they're scamming these guys um there's like four main women who are kind of joined together for this plan and they all look very different they're different like ages and races and everything but they tell the guys that they're sisters and the guys like don't even wonder about that <laughs> they don't even wonder or they don't care they're just like sure whatever yeah one of them says uh oh like same dad different moms or something yeah. and the guy's like oh yeah that seems legit you all look related like okay <laughs> i don't know if that's true to life but uh it was very funny yeah yes. agreed yeah and i thought i thought uh you know there there's not really a love interest in the film which i appreciated i mean you see destiny couple up with somebody and you could make a very strong argument and i would that like the love affair is between um destiny and ramona but it, it's also a film that doesn't feel the need to have that sort of like typical love interest complication even even ramona and destiny's relationship is not like a traditional love story arc yeah, you yes. can read it as like a sister sisterly kind of relationship where like Destiny is the little sister figure to Ramona or you could read it romantically. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was definitely expecting them to kiss at some point. But I think they just have so much chemistry as actresses like Jennifer mm -hmm. Lopez and Constance Wu have so much chemistry when they're on screen together. And um, so that was probably what. But I don't know, like anybody has chemistry with Jennifer Lopez, I would think. Like, yeah. In her orbit, you're like attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really well written movie too like the the dialogue is really sharp and realistic and I love some of the montage scenes especially where um, Jennifer Lopez is sort of telling Constance Wu like you know this is how it is this is how it works and she's she's like showing there's sort of like this what is the word juxtaposition of like these wall street guys doing deals to shots in the club. And it's just sort of like, it again equates, you know, they're both kind of doing the same thing just from opposite ends. Um, and at one point Jennifer Lopez says about, you know, a guy who, who comes in to the, to the strip club through the back entrance. Cause he's one of the big honchos on wall street. He's not one of the, you know, traders on the floor. He's like one of the bosses, um, and he just wants to see a pretty girl dance. Um, and she says, it's business and it's a more honest transaction than anything he did that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally true. I've thought a lot about this movie uh, in relation to Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know if you guys are. I, I have like a weird relationship with that movie because I like it is kind of awful but i also love it <laughs> i have not I really seen it sadly yeah i i really love it i don't really know why i feel like a bad feminist for how much i love it um but watching that movie i just remember thinking like oh like i think it was the first time i mean i still don't really understand the stock market but it was the first time i was like oh this is all made up like this is all completely a scam like this is fucked and our whole economy is based on this um i mean i would say like strippers are at least they're like 
doing something somewhat artistic and providing a service like that seems better yeah. than well yeah and they're playing like with pretend money all day using using like a a physical thing which is themselves rather than just like playing with the future of money not even real money <laughs> like it's just it's really very disturbing <laughs> I think Wolf of Wall Street is a really good parallel, too, because it's kind of this, both of them are this kind of like behind the scenes look at this thing that uh, on some level, I would say maybe the average viewer has a sense that there's something um, dirty is wrong because that that's implying a judgment on um, on the strippers. And I don't mean it like that, but you know that there's more to it than meets the eye that maybe is not how everybody on the planet lives. Um, And Mm -hmm. I but I. There's something about, too, the way (laughs) – this is going to lead into, I think, where we're eventually going, but there's, like – likability isn't even a question in Wolf of Wall Street, right? Like, nobody nobody is thinking that Leonardo DiCaprio's character in there is likable, and nobody would ask that, and yet he can be so much of an antihero. And I would even say worse because of the way that he treats the people in his life. You know, yeah. uh, his wife and his, well, two wives and kids. I mean, he's just this kind of monster. And yet it's this like high octane entertaining story. <laughs> and I think a lot of men probably, I mean, not men, I want to know, but like some men watch that movie and like want to be like him and are envious of his lifestyle, even though it's like they forget the whole like all the other stuff that happens to him. Although he kind of comes out on top at the end in a weird way, um, which is part of the problem with that movie, even though I still love it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting. And that is, of course, on the show, we have to talk about the likability question. So um, yeah, in Hustlers, there are a lot of quote unquote unlikable female characters. They're doing really bad things and they're not sorry. So no, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah, they're not sorry. Like, even at the end, they, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say since this is based on a real thing. I mean, they get caught and they do suffer some legal consequences. And I still don't get the sense, Ramona especially, she's not sorry. She feels totally justified. And I agree with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting, too, is um, Destiny actually does say that she feels bad for the men that they stole from. Yes. But what's interesting is that she also says it in a moment where she's speaking to a reporter. So you're never quite sure as the viewer, is this how she actually feels to some extent? I'm sure she does, but, or if it's her trying to create a persona, knowing that likability question saying, you know what I mean? Like you can do this as long as you feel bad for it. Um, I don't know. I think that that kind of complicates it when she says that, when she's speaking to somebody who's going to be writing the story about it. Yeah, this that's, um, all of the scenes with the reporter are really interesting. So um, I don't know if we've established this. The movie is intercut with these scenes that are a few years in the future with um, Constance Wu's character, Destiny, and uh, Julia Stiles playing a fictionalized version of the reporter who wrote the original article that this is based on. And it, Constance's performance in those scenes are so interesting because it is like she's telling her story there is a weird performative aspect to it where it's like she really wants the reporter to like her and be on her side and you can't tell if she's being genuine in some moments um she's dressed in these extremely tasteful like cream colored like it looks like eileen fisher like i mean she just yeah she has this very kind of um like 
moneyed, upper-class, classy look to her, which uh, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that she doesn't win, but it's a it's a very performative look, too. Like, she really is trying to come off as this other person, which is very interesting, I think, in yeah. context of the rest of the movie. And then we see the reporter with Ramona, and Ramona is kind of like, yeah, this is, like, what we did and whatever. This whole country is a strip club, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ramona is a much more honest person in her interactions with the with the reporter i mean one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when um one of the guys that they've drugged is unconscious and they have to take him to the emergency room and when they drop him off destiny like (laughs) fake cries when the when the like medics come out she's like oh my god my husband help my husband and then as soon as they like turn their backs (laughs) to take the guy inside she like drops it she just switches it right off (laughs) Because you're kind of like up till that point, you're like, okay, she's really, you know, in over her head with this. But you see how calculating she is in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I really, really loved that. I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) I love a calculating bitch. I do think I think she feels bad and feels justified. I mean, it's a really complex, interesting performance that she's giving. Right. Absolutely. My uh, friend that I took to see this, my very straight friend who's still straight after seeing JLo pole dance. Um, she like was cool with what they were doing until they started drugging the guys, and then she was like, "No, like I can't." Like that was the line for her where they became too unlikable, and I thought that was interesting because I was kind of like, "Ah, eh, you know." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we can all no one agree died. The drugging people for any reason is bad. Like, <laughs> sure, that's not like you know the the point, and it's kind of interesting when you think about like how. That is something that happens to women often that they are drugged by a man. And of course, that is horrible as well. But there's something shocking about seeing women doing that to men in a way that it's no longer shocking for a woman to get roofied. You know what I mean? Like, right. To see in a movie, like, that's just a thing that happens in movies. That's a thing that happens in the real world all the time. But something about these women doing it, it's like, whoa, that's like... Is that worse? If, no, it's not worse, but it seems like more shocking, even like to us, even even when you're watching it as a feminist, it's still more shocking than, mm-hmm. you know, what we see in movies all the time. Well, and there's that there's that moment with the only sympathetic male victim, I would say, uh, Doug, mm-hmm. the guy who loses his house and all the all the <laughs> different stuff. And he's he's on the phone and he's asking, I just want to know what happened to me. And that was so interesting, too, because I think it kind of speaks to that, Kristen, of like this um, that we're used to seeing women drugged in this other context. Until he said that, it didn't even occur to me that that would be a question that the men would have. But yeah. um, maybe it should have been. But I was just like, oh, yeah, you could be worried about what had been done to your person. I'm worried about that. I right. can imagine men being worried about that. And that's uh, internalized misandry on my part. But it was just it was this kind of um, it was this moment where it, it kind of gave it for me more. You could see kind of the outside perspective of it because actually I'm kind of with you, Lane. I was kind of like, yeah, go ahead, drug them, take their money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're like drugging them for their own safety in a way. It almost feels like like they're incapacitating them so the guys can't get mad and then hurt them. I mean, that's, right. 
I don't know. I'm not saying any of this is right. I'm just saying <laughs> as I'm watching the movie, I do like root for these women, even though they're doing questionable things. And really, yeah, the only that one male victim, he's like the only one that we're really supposed to have sympathy for. And he's the only one I did have sympathy for. He's like this nice guy who's had a lot of problems in his life and like clearly is just looking for some sort of emotional connection with these women. Like right. he doesn't mistreat them or anything. Like you, there are scenes of him and Destiny talking about their kids and like he seems like a good guy sort of looking for affection in the wrong place um but yeah the rest of those motherfuckers i don't know man (laughs) drink that boys yeah but i i will agree no one should be drugged against their consent but it did make for a great movie (laughs) but if you're gonna do it do it to a wall street asshole exactly (laughs) if you're gonna do it pick the wolf of wall street (laughs) seriously I think the other thing that was interesting about this movie that we haven't touched on yet is how much it is in a weird way, a period piece of like 2007, 2008, um, which was not that long ago. So it's odd to see a movie, but it really is. I mean, from the music scores, from what they're wearing to, you know, how much the recession centers in this movie and how much it really is about what happened to people in a, in a very um, particular moment in American history. I think it is, in, in that way, I think it's also going to age really well because it really is kind of like a slice of life of a specific time. This is it revolves around the recession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts out before yeah. the recession, and then we see like the moment that that happens, and it changes everything for the strip club and all the main characters. Right, because <laughs> like you could you you might think that Ramona and Destiny they would have just continued doing what they were doing, but then when the recession hit, like people stopped going to strip clubs and throwing money around because they didn't have money to throw around anymore. So it like these wall street guys did that to everybody and it specifically impacted the club because those same guys weren't coming in anymore. And so it sort of like put them in a position of having to figure out something else. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I think had to figure out side hustles or different hustles and they just happened to pick one that is, um, Certainly ethically, legally, and morally gray. (laughs) (laughs) We see a scene of uh, Destiny, like, trying to apply for a job at a department store. And they are, like, judging her hardcore for what she used to do. And it is, like, this, how is she supposed to find other work if, like, the work she did before is going to disqualify her from any sort of reputable employment? Um, Mm -hmm. That scene is so, like... There's actually there's another scene too where they go like shopping and are judged by the woman in the store. It's very like pretty woman. Very <laughs> yeah, I was advice. just gonna say that. <laughs> but it's a real, uh, it's a really interesting kind of economic social class sort of question. I mean, that's what's so great about this movie is it's like this fun movie about strippers and it's sexy and it's hilarious, but it's also laying bare some of the problems at the heart of our culture and economy and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It does a lot. It's, it does. Like, it does it so deftly, too, because it is really, like, fun and sexy and, like, flashy to watch. But, like, it's a, it's got a lot for you to think about later if you are so inclined. And I, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. It was surprisingly substantive. I was not expecting um, so much when I went to see it. And it just really rocked my world. I, I love it. Um so we should also talk about why this is a Christmas movie because we mentioned that before. And uh, we yes. have it. <laughs> it is. It's the best Christmas movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Christmas present for me to be talking about it with 
you two, but I don't think that's what you mean. (laughs) So there is a really, there's a lovely scene kind of in the middle of the movie. Um, It's like a, a group Christmas dinner with all of the women who are working this scam and they're giving lavish gifts to each other and JLo is wearing a Santa hat I think um and it's just this lovely like everything is good and happy and we're succeeding and it's just like a it's like a family of their own making and it's it is very much within the holiday spirit and it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, these but- women giving each other these really lavish presents and this like beautiful lavish family experience in this way that I think our culture, we're more comfortable seeing that when men lavish presents on women, but it's like these women have are are doing it for each other. Yes, absolutely. And there's so they like give presents and they have Christmas dinner and then they're all like dancing around together and it's just like weirdly wholesome, <laughs> I would say, in the middle of this stripper movie. Like just these women enjoying their friendship and their sisterhood and like uh Destiny's grandmother is there and like dancing with Jennifer Lopez and telling her stories about like the men she used to know when she was young and it's just it's just beautiful. It's like heartwarming. Um yeah, so this is the perfect movie to share with maybe not your whole family at Christmas, <laughs> but like members of your family who are like 18 and up. Maybe I don't yeah, know. It depends on your family. <laughs> so fun, fun story. Um, I did make my family watch this on Thanksgiving this year, and that might have been a You're mistake. You're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very fun. <laughs> My family is so conservative, like they won't even read uh, my books. I can't imagine them watching a stripper movie. But your your family seems more open minded, Hallie. I love that. What did your What did your dad say about about your book? Do you want to share that with the <laughs> the listeners? <laughs> well, I guess I am sharing this on a podcast now. Um, so <laughs> my dedication to my parents, it, it my dedication for my book is to my parents, and it says. Um, something along the lines of to my parents who didn't even flinch when their baby girl handed them this book because this book is heavy in adult content and uh, they have been nothing but supportive. We have, you know, and I appreciate that they've read almost every iteration of the book. Like I am very lucky and they're very supportive and very excited and proud of me. And I like, I couldn't be luckier, but I hand them this, the dedication and my mom sees it and she just starts crying. And then my dad sees it and he goes, yeah, your mom didn't even know what anal beads were before your book. So I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that so much. It was pretty great. (laughs) I hope I get to tell that story for a long, long time to come. (laughs) (laughs) We're just educating them. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) amazing all right any parting thoughts about hustlers i hope jennifer lopez wins an academy award i really mean it like i think she's great in it i think she's tough and vulnerable and motherly and angry and bitchy and beautiful and that ass deserves all the awards but like her that's me objectifying her her (laughs) performance is phenomenal yes i would also like to mention that there are um Appearances by Cardi B and Lizzo in this movie, um, not musical ones. They are dancers in the club, um, but it's just kind of awesome to uh, see a character, especially like Lizzo, like a plus size woman. It's not a thing at all. She's just like she just is one of the characters that works there. And that's, she's sexy and that's, as hell in it. Yeah, she's totally. Yeah, she's totally. She's got 
the sweet like fishnet body stocking thing on she's playing her flute back there like she's having the time of her life and it's wonderful mm-hmm. this has been like such an amazing year for her i just this is like the cherry on top she, yes. I love her so much. yeah she's amazing Hallie, you got to see her in concert, right? I did get to see her in concert, and it was great. And I actually, I had bought the tickets so far in advance that we actually had really good seats, too. It, she was amazing. And she, my, I think my favorite thing that she did was that after after um, songs, she would just kind of, like, stop and do, like, a power pose and let the applause wash over her for, like, 90 seconds. It was like, I'm going to live in this moment. And I was like, that's how I want to live my life. That's oh, awesome. Same. I love that. Let's everyone take that energy into 2020. For sure. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com. And we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>